0: Arizona sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with... Ah, geez, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So, as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the sons and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen. And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Suns lose last night to the Denver Nuggets as their road trip continues. Second night of a back-to-back, very much a schedule loss in many ways. I mean, beyond the fact that they were missing so many of their guys, the second night of a back-to-back in Denver is always, always tough. The road trip continues tomorrow night. They're in Minnesota. It concludes on MLK Day when they take on Memphis, and then they're back home. And Joining us right now for our weekly visit with our sons insider from ArizonaSports.com. He is Kellen Olson, and he joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Kellen, how you doing? Thanks for your time today, man. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course. Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. All
2: right, so I'm looking at the athletics mock draft. Phoenix (laughs) Suns, 16th. Jed Howard, 6'8 wing player out of Michigan.
0: There it is. (laughs) I just did that to piss Burden's you off. Oh, it's going to piss Kellen off too. Yeah. So it's it's a double. There it is. It's a double barrel shotgun of pissing went, people off here. Went by
2: Yama, Henderson lead the class. Whitmore Miller emerge in the top five. Suns picking 16th, getting the kid out of Michigan. I'm not saying yeah, it's time got... to look at mock drafts, but I will say this about the bad season that they have and the benefit, right? Because they they have held on to their draft pick, and it may end up being a pretty good pick.
1: Yeah, uh, believe me, Bernsey is right. I do not want to go back to the days of watching college basketball tape and telling you guys about guys I like in the 30s and the 40s on the second round and then giving you a background on how their catch-and-shoot three-point percentages are. I'm good with not going back to that time in my life that we were at five years ago. I, yeah, it's good that they're keeping their pick, but honestly, it should be front foot forward trying to not only stay in a playoff spot, but just make some noise because I, I think it would be a different story right now, guys, if we were in some different Western conferences a couple years ago. You kind of think about the juggernauts that, like the Rockets were with Chris Paul and James Harden and then the, all those Warriors teams. You're looking up top of the West and kind of really struggling to see a, 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 a kind of path for a team like the Suns right now where they are to winning the West. But I don't see anyone as a juggernaut emerging in the West right now. So if they can just get healthy, play some good basketball for the last six weeks and find a rhythm again, they're still in a fine spot to potentially make some noise.
2: I know we started the show with this and I told Burns, you, I, I think the path to winning it, I think that's over now. I mean, you you look at the you're nine games behind denver and memphis in the loss column nine games behind them and there's only 39 games left so i think that's unrealistic to think that way but then you start looking at can you catch charlotte can you get to three can you get to four or five you know Uh, New Orleans. You said Charlotte. Oh, Charlotte. Uh, Sacramento. I meant Sacramento. Sacramento, okay. I meant Sacramento. Can you catch Sacramento? Can you catch New Orleans? I mean, you know, that's some of the things. I think they put themselves in such a big hole right now that there definitely are teams in the West that they're not going to catch.
1: No, I don't think so. I think what I'm looking at more than anything else is the start of February because it seems like from a timing perspective with the injuries and what we know about them, that that's when you should have everyone back. Now, everyone, knock on wood listening at home, in your car, if you got some wood around, wherever. Knock on everything that the Suns don't have another injury come up, and then hopefully they can be at a point where they're full strength here in a couple of weeks because that's 10 games later, and now you're talking about, okay, there's 30 games left in the season. Can you go – 5, 10, 15 games over 500, somewhere in there, because it was only an eight-game sample size, but that new starting lineup with Cam Johnson was destroying teams for the limited amount of time we saw. So can you find a groove there? Again, finish 5 to 10 games over 500 for a 30-game stretch and then find yourself in that 3 to 6 range, depending on what happens with some of these other teams. I don't think it's completely out of, out of the question. They're not, they're not completely screwed right now, but they do have to be looking at it like, okay, once we get fully healthy, we got to get going. we got we got we to start to really put some wins together now.
0: Yeah, that seems to be the window for me, too, is is three to six. I, I mean, th- it, one to two seems ambitious, maybe a little overly so. I, I think as long as you're within arm's length of whoever's at five or six, and you start to get guys back, I think you're in a fine spot. I I think you'll be A, okay, as long as A, you don't lose anybody else to injury, and B, whoever's sitting at five or six, or even four, doesn't get too far ahead of you. If you're still within three or four games, I think you're in an okay spot. Have you, I know we had James Jones on the show yesterday, at this point, Kellen, are you even comfortable guessing when we might start to see some of these bodies back for the suns
1: i i do feel comfortable with the limited information we have which which is not a lot uh, deandre and lander Shan are both under the day-to-day category james jones told you guys on your show like maybe looking at friday early next week so it seems like they're in a path where they should, at the latest, be back with it within a week. It, it does feel safe based on the information we have that there. Now, Chris Paul, as you guys know, we, we hardly get any information on his injuries in terms of a timetable. He's usually filed under day-to-day, and then that's all we really know. That's all we know about Chris Paul's injury right now, so we'll see on him. The reevaluation date for campaign, I believe, is coming up in nine days, and then I think we're 15 days out or uh, 13 days out, sorry, from Devin Booker's reevaluation date. Again, those are not return dates. They are reevaluation dates. So, again, kind of circling February. But some of those returnees will really start to help. You kind of have to say it out loud to realize how short-handed right now they are. If we were assuming that Jay Crowder would, would be doing his job and playing basketball for the team that's paying him to, the Suns would be down seven of their top eight players right now. That, that That's really the holder. And Mikael Bridges is the only guy you can look at right now who is playing, who would feasibly factor in to the playoff rotation. That's the type of bodies that they're missing right now. So any return will help at this point. And then, of course, if we're talking about February, that's the trade deadline coming up. You add another body there, assuming they get a Jay Crowder deal done, and, and you're on the upswing. Let me
2: let me hit something that's right in your real house. There was a, a, a ringer story see, asking if the Phoenix Suns were cooked and whether the championship window is closed. And they spent a good deal of it talking about Chris Paul, saying he's making threes at a 40% clip, still has an elite assist to turnover ratio, but far from the player who's a worthy All-NBA selection the past two years. This new, older Paul already has missed 14 games with a heel injury, with more to come as hip issues persist when he has played he's posted career lows in points per game two-point field goal percentage free throw percentage adjusted true shooting percentage all stuff that's right up your uh your alley how much of the struggles of the phoenix suns do you think are with chris paul declining in age
1: I think they have a lot to do with it and, and not to put it solely on him, but just the way that the team is kind of constructed and, and the way that certain uh, responsibilities were handed to certain guys. When Chris Paul is playing like this, it puts even more on guys that's played. And I think coming into the year, we were already talking about Chris Paul playing in a reduced role and we saw it, but now it's kind of happening for different reasons where he's just not capable of being that guy night in and night out. I, I do think that, it's overblown to say that they are cooked again. I think that a lot of this conversation, if we were talking about a sun team at the Eastern Conference and they had to go through Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Boston, Cleveland, like I think that the majority of the heavy hitters right now are in the East, I would be feeling a lot differently about saying that they're cooked this year. But in, in the West, you've still got relatively unproven teams at the top in terms of Denver and Memphis and New Orleans. They are really, really good teams, don't get me wrong, but in terms of serious playoff success, we haven't seen it for those groups, whereas the Suns have made the finals. And then you've got the Warriors and the Clippers more so in the bottom half, and we're talking about the Kings as this a great story. They haven't been to the playoffs for a really long time. None of those guys have playoff experience, so I'm not sweating them necessarily. Dallas is the other team in the equation as well, but... Until that sort of gets sorted out and until we're at the point in, like, say we're in mid-March and the Suns are still playing kind of 500 basketball when everyone is back healthy, that's when you start to really say, okay, they're probably done for this year. But until we see them fully healthy and get them for a couple of weeks and see how this full uh, play-to-players actually looks together, that's when I'll be able to make more strong declarations.
2: Yeah, the the interesting thing is that they were once, you know, one of the best mid you know, mid range shoot jump shooting teams in the league. Now they're like twentieth. They're not knocking those down. But I'm still continuing to be baffled by the inability to get to the free throw line. I mean, even last night after the first quarter, K Ray Yep, no free throws for the Suns. This team and, and some fans may get mad at the officials, but they're just not aggressive around the basket. They do not get to the free throw line at all. And that's 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 gonna be a killer for this team going
0: forward.
1: It is, and it has been for the last two seasons. They've been, I believe, either 29th or 30th in free throw rate for three straight years now, counting this year as well, the rate that they get to the free throw line. And that's just been uh, a weakness of this roster for a long time. And they made up for it with what you were uh, referencing earlier, which is that they were just extremely efficient from the mid-range. And then they knocked down their threes and they moved the ball really well. The turnover ratio as a team was always excellent. But when you take one of those factors out of the equation, like their efficiency from the mid-range, all of a sudden it really tanks the offense because they're not getting to the line as many other teams do. They need that second or third guy. That Gambo, I think that if anyone is looking for a specific skill for the Suns to acquire, it's obviously someone as a scorer in the trade deadline, but preferably a scorer that gets to the line because if anyone – is is somewhat proficient at getting to the line and they come into the Suns, they're going to be either second or first on the team in free throws per game because that's how much they're lacking and need a skill set like that.
0: All right, Kellen, leave us with this because this just came down in the last 10 minutes or so. Brian Windhorst was on ESPN and you mentioned the trade deadline. He was talking about Matt Ishbia, the the prospective incoming potential owner of the Phoenix Suns and his attempt to gain control of the team before the trade deadline. I want to play the soundbite then just give me your reaction to it.
2: Meanwhile, Matt Ishbia is going to try to take control of this team within the next month. I'm not sure that the league is going to get through with their vetting process, but he's hoping to get control of the team ahead of the trade deadline so he can have a decision on who the trade is. So the the Phoenix Suns front office, James Jones, is trying to help his team. He's got different people saying yes or no that he's got to sign off on. It's very, very difficult for them to get something done, not to mention the trade market's tight.
0: What
1: was your reaction to that, Kellen? Because I know you retweeted it. Yeah, well, the yes or no part is particularly interesting because, like, Gamble, I believe it was you who asked James Jones when we first kind of saw this story come out, like, have you had a trade get to the point where you've had it pretty much done, you've taken it to Robert Sarver, and he has said no, and James Jones said no, nothing like that has happened. And until we get some concrete reporting on that specifically, that the Suns have agreed to trades, but then they haven't gotten approved by ownership, that is where I start hesitating. The front half is more interesting to me. Is it like, okay, do they want to make... One- do they want to wait to make a deal until it's the deal, type of deal that Ishbia would pass over? And do they want to wait to see what Ishbia thinks of the p- specific deal? And that part, to me, is more interesting. But we're dealing with information here. But at the same time, it's, it's pretty speculative until we get some concrete stuff in terms of, yes, a trade has been sent to Robert Sarver's doorstep, and he has turned it down. We haven't heard that level of reporting yet until we have. I'm not going to read too much into it either way.
0: Kellen, we appreciate the time, as always. Thank you so much. We look forward to reading your stuff at ArizonaSports.com.
1: Always do. Thanks, guys. Glad you guys are back out at remotes again. Uh, Uh, Me too. Absolutely. Us too. Us too.